This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Well, lovely to be with you this morning, brothers and sisters, to bring God's Word. Um, We've had that wonderful passage read, and it's going to be very helpful to you if you have it open. Now, uh, on the PowerPoint, I will be looking at uh, key things within the verses, but I think it would help us enormously if we had the Bible open, because then you can see how the thing works together, how Hebrews uh, puts it all together. Um, I have indeed been working hard on this sermon on rest, um, which uh, which is quite paradoxical, but, uh, <laughs> but there we are. Um, let's, uh, before we start uh, and before we have our Bibles open, let's just uh, commit this time to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you for your word. And Heavenly Father, as we come this morning, perhaps weary and tired and heavy burdened, may we, through the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ in his word, by the power of your Holy Spirit, come to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is humble and meek of heart, and find rest for our souls. So bless us this morning, and grant us a refreshment, a renewal, and a rest. For Jesus' namesake. Amen. On Tuesday, as Andrew has already mentioned, we had a bank holiday. A day of rest. Again, quite paradoxically, in order to celebrate Labor Day. And I hope you had a good and happy and restful Labor Day bank holiday. We actually, as a family, went to the River Safari, um, which was a wonderful experience. Um, We especially enjoyed seeing the pandas, the the red panda and the two giant pandas, Kai Kai and Jaja. It was a lovely day. It was happy. It was joyful. It was restful. I hope you too had a good and happy bank holiday. But what makes that sort of day, a bank holiday, restful? Well, we can say, well, it's a break from our normal routine, our normal work. Maybe it's a day in order to recharge us that we've been physically tired, working, 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 and now we have a day off, so we can be physically renewed and refreshed and at rest. But surely rest is more than simply that. Rest is also has a quality, a good quality about it, isn't it? Spending leisure time, enjoying our hobbies with family and friends, and indeed, like us, visiting something amazing like the river safari. So rest is basically both a, a state of enjoyment, of delight. It could be a place. You go to somewhere like the river safari, and it's time off. It can be all these three things. And of course, 
It, the opposite is when we get weary and tired and burdened and stressed. Why do we get weary and tired and burdened and stressed? The opposite, if you like, of rest. Well, of course, there is physical tiredness. If we work from the morning till night time uh, for six days a week, then we are going to get physically tired. It can be draining our work. But again, there's more to it than that, isn't it? Work which drains us and stresses us because it can be pressurizing, isn't it? We go to an environment, a place like the office or indeed like a school, which is not our home, our place. And so it's a foreign environment. And we work for long hours. But of course there's also the pressure at work and perhaps if you're studying for examinations of needing to compete, to work hard, to study hard in order to get that promotion, in order to look good before your work colleagues, in order to get the right exam results, to be promoted, to have more money. You see, last year... I was in Singapore for a couple of months and uh, in order to set up and to prepare for Rita and Karis to come in July. And I very quickly found out uh, in all the lovely things of Singapore that people here work very hard and study hard. But perhaps rest could be something we could have. Indeed, It's precisely because of that, the pressure to compete, that we think that we must do better to succeed. We do then need rest. Rest in time, a break. Rest in a place that we call our own. And rest in the sense of an emotional attitude, a quality of enjoyment and delight. Well, This morning, we're going to consider what the Bible actually has to say about rest. That's the theme. And what we're going to do is not so much just go through the passage we've had read, but actually reflect on what the author of this amazing letter to the Hebrews is doing by talking about rest. He's trying to, you see, put the whole Bible together and think through, for our sakes, What does rest mean from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible? So, I want to focus on the theme of rest from Hebrews. And you will notice when we had the the reading just read for us, how many times the word rest actually comes up. It is, in fact, a very profound passage. You see, Hebrews is written to Jewish Christians who are very, very tired and weary and stressed. Why? Well, it's probably written to Jewish Christians in the great city of Rome, who are stressed and tired from opposition to their faith, both from their city and society, and also from their family and their friends. And indeed, they were tempted to give up the Christian faith. They were thinking, well, this is just too difficult. It's too stressful. I'm tempted to give up and to go back to my old religion of Judaism. Indeed, as Hebrews notes, they had become sluggish 
tired and weary. They were drifting in their Christian faith. And Hebrews is written to people who are tired and weary to put them back on track so that they would persevere and endure to the very end. And as part of this, Hebrews wants to do it by explaining the whole theme of rest in the Bible. And he does it by anchoring his thoughts and his explanation on that first psalm we had uh, read responsibly, Psalm 95. Um, it would be wonderful if, you, if we would go away and during the week actually look and meditate and take the words of Psalm 95 on our lips. It's a complex passage here in Hebrews, so I'm not going to be able to go through it in detail, but just pick out a few things. We've got the handout here, um, where I put, uh, put down eight things from the whole Bible about rest. We won't be able to cover all eight things, but this is for you to take away and again meditate on yourself. But I want to focus on this passage of Hebrews and the theme of rest under three basic heat headings. Rest past, rest present, and rest future. So, the first one is actually the longest one and the deepest one. So we will need the help of the Holy Spirit to be alert and to concentrate and focus on what God the Holy Spirit is actually saying. Because that's actually how verse 7 starts, isn't it? So as the Holy Spirit says, and therefore we'd better listen. So the first thing is, The past rest. God rested after creation. But unbelief means that we cannot enter God's rest. God rested after creation, but unbelief means that we cannot enter God's rest. Or to put it another way, when God completed his first and great work of creation, he stopped and ceased from his labor. And that was what God had in mind. But Israel, the people of God, could never not enter that great and wonderful rest of God because of their disobedience. And that is a warning to us who are Christians. Have a look, please, at uh, Hebrews chapter chapter 4, verse 3 and following. Now we who have believed enter that rest just as God has said. So I declared in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Now, when God, God means that he will, uh, that he, that they will never enter that rest, he's talking about the people of Israel. And then he goes on to focus on the first and great work of rest. Have a look at verse 7. God again sets a certain day, calling it today. And then he goes on to verse 9. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. I.e., he's taking us back to creation itself. Because he notes in verse 4. Somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. 
on the seventh day God rested from all his works. I.e. he takes us back to creation. You remember what happened at the beginning of the Bible. God created the universe in six days and then stopped. And he made that seventh day a holy day, a special day, a day of his own rest. And in Genesis, and it's really very interesting, that actually that seventh day never comes to a stop. It is an eternal day. God then promises and blesses that seventh day. And he invites us in to enjoy that seventh day of rest. And you will know, of course, how that develops. Well, in the book of Exodus, what's one of the Ten Commandments? It is, remember the Sabbath day. For in six days God laboured and worked and rested on the seventh day, therefore God blessed that seventh day. He takes them back, in other words, to creation. So, we've got this invitation of God's rest, we've got the command to rest, but what happens to the people of Israel? They disobey. They disobey in the wilderness. You see, for 40 years, Israel was in that wilderness and was stubborn and rebellious and complained and tested God. We can read about it in the book of Numbers itself. It all, they were always disobeying God. They were always complaining. They were always weary, tired and stressed. Why? Because it wasn't enough. They looked back to the past in Egypt. They, they complained, well, you know, why are we in this wilderness, O oh God? Why have we got all this food? What about Egypt? We were happy there. We had our potatoes, our leeks, our food. Now, what's happening, God? Forgetting, of course, that in Egypt they were really tired and weary because they were in slavery. And so, God excludes them from that wonderful promise at the beginning of creation, my rest. If you, we look at chapters 3 verse 7, you will see what, uh, what uh, Hebrews is doing. He recounts that story of constant rebellion, constant weariness. And then at the end, notice what God says. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. The stress is actually, the emphasis is on my. You're never going to enter my rest. So God wants to stress that the promise of inheritance of rest, which was never actually fulfilled in the promised land. Do you see, the promised land in those days was called a land of rest. So what happened then? Okay, fine. They rebelled for 40 years, but under Joshua, they entered that land. Was it a place of rest? Well, have a look at chapter 4, verse 8. 
For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken about another day. I.e., they went into the promised land in the time of Joshua. But was that a time and a place of rest? No. So where is this rest? Well, the story moves on into the time of King David. That's the time when Psalm 95 was written. And actually, that same promise of rest and the same problem recurs. Look at chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today. He did this when a long time later he spoke through David as the passage already quoted. Do you see what he's doing? He's saying, think about rest in creation. Then think about rest, well, the promise of rest in the wilderness, which they never obtained again. Then think about the rest of the promised land under the time of Joshua. Did that do anything for them? No. Then think about the time of King David and the psalm. Was there any rest then? No. Why not? Because of disobedience. That is where he's going to explain what has gone seriously wrong. And he's doing it in order to apply this to Christians. Have a look at chapter 3, verse 12. See to it, he says, to the Christians, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. I.e., sin will make us tired. Sin will lead to the fact that we cannot enter God's living rest. Now, what is our idea of the ideal holiday and rest? You might, uh, you might think, well, I like going to a beach resort and just lying there, peaceful, beautiful, tranquil, with the sea and the sand in a lovely hotel. Maybe in Thailand. Or maybe you prefer to go onto a great mountain and see the glory of the mountains. Or perhaps it is to go to, uh, to Europe or to America and see the different culture and the different cities there. Or maybe it's even a world cruise. But what if someone, perhaps one of your best friends or somebody in your family offered you an all-expenses-paid holiday to the destination and the holiday of your choice, saying, come with me, you and your family, and we'll have a wonderful holiday and rest, wherever you want to go, all-expenses-paid. And you start saying, well, I don't know, you know, sort of... um, I'm not sure about that. Uh, I don't like the flight times from the airport. It's just too much for me. Anyway, you know, I don't really like aeroplanes and going there. 
and uh, and well, the hotel you've chosen is very nice, and the suite is wonderful. But actually, I'd prefer another hotel, another suite, please. Thank you very. Much. And and uh, and I don't like the food where we're going to go to, so I don't like that. And it's it's just too hot, or maybe it actually gets a bit too cold. In fact, I'd quite much prefer to work and compete with my colleagues so I can get that promotion and get uh, some more money and a wage rise. And then, you say, and then your friend or family member says, fine, if that's your attitude, well, forget it. We're not going. And we miss out on the holiday. You see, that is precisely the point that Hebrews wants to make about rest past. You see, God has promised an amazing rest, his rest, from the beginning of time. But the author to the Hebrews, and we don't know who it is, is worried that some church members might actually become so unbelieving and so disobedient that they will miss out on God's rest and God will cancel his promise. Just as he did in the Old Testament. And Hebrews says, let's be focused on that possibility. And because of the negative example of Israel missing out on God's rest, let's make sure that we don't miss out. You see, By focusing too much on this world and our lives now and not on God's eternal future rest, Hebrews is scared that some in his church might miss out. You see, we might say, but I want to work hard for that promotion. I want to work hard for that new car, that new condo, that that country club membership, that new credit card. I want to look good. I, you know, there's so much competition here in Singapore. I have to work. I have to study hard. I have to pass my examinations and things like that. But Hebrews calls those sorts of things dead works. Calls them dead works. Why? Because actually it is sin. It is sinful work. That really tires us out, makes us weary and burdened and stressed. And it's those dead works which meet the judgment of God. You see, sin, says Hebrews, is ever so tiring and stressful. And because it's so tiring and stressful, Hebrews warns his people that they might actually go so sluggish, so weary, so tired, that they, well, one day they stop believing altogether and stop coming to church. That is what Hebrews is focused on. And for us, it might be the pressure of time. It might be the pressure of work, so much time spent at work. It might be our work environment. It might be our school. It might be even the attitude we have, I need to succeed. 
which might actually mean we become so sluggish, so weary, that we give up the Christian life. And Hebrews says, look back, look back in time at the history of the Bible from creation to the end of the Old Testament. And you will see that so many of them missed out on God's rest because sin tired them out. But Hebrews doesn't want to leave it like that. He wants to focus on the here and now, the today, the the present of his people in his church in Rome. So that's the second thing, the present of rest. The present of rest. Through faith in Christ, we enter God's rest. The present. Through faith in Christ, we enter God's rest. Hebrews wants to emphasize that the promise of God's rest is for today, for now, and that he wants to stress very passionately that we today can enjoy God's God's rest by a trust in our Lord Jesus Christ. If, If we've got our Bibles open, it would be good now just to focus on just the verse before our passage. This is what he says in chapter 3, verse 6. But Christ is faithful as the Son over God's house, and we are his house. Do you see? Jesus Christ has actually come to earth. He has done the work of redemption. He has paid for our sins. He has died. He has risen again. And he has now entered into heaven itself. And what's he now doing? He's seated. He has sat down on the throne of God in heaven. He has, in effect, built a resting place for us in heaven itself. And that, says Hebrews, is wonderful. It means that now the way into God's rest is really and truly open. Look at verse 14. Of chapter 3. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the end. That is almost a good a definition of a Christian. A Christian is someone who shares in Jesus Christ, who has that promise today of heavenly rest, but if we continue to the end. A Christian is someone who perseveres, and who knows Jesus Christ today. And then chapter 4, verse 3. Now, we who have believed enter that rest. And the emphasis in that verse is on entering the rest. Today, we enter that rest. That's what what Hebrews means. You will have noticed, of course, when we had that read, how many times the word today appears, isn't it? Today, if you hear his voice, encourage one another daily, so long as it's called today. And then twice as well in verse 7, for somewhere he's spoken... God set a certain day calling it 
today, today he repeats, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. That means that today, this period of time, here and now, God the Holy Spirit through Hebrews wants to say, today you can enjoy that rest. Today is the day of rest. Today is the day of refreshing. Today is the time when we can, through faith in Jesus Christ, rest with him in heaven itself. I wonder what every day do you look forward to as a time of rest and peace and refreshment and enjoyment. You see, for me, I go off, of course, to work at the college in the morning and get there and do my work, and then in the evening I come home. It's, uh, uh, it's obviously very hot coming home. I feel hot, and indeed it can be very humid. Then I get home. I like to sit down in the armchair, ah, relaxed, have a glass of cold, refreshing water and turn on the air conditioning. Then, you see, I'm at rest. How do you rest then during the day? You see, for Hebrews though, The rest is not the physical rest of being out of the heat or out of work or sitting in your favorite armchair or watching your favorite television program or even a holiday. For Hebrews, real rest is today trusting in Jesus Christ. Now, we might today even be very stressed, tired, weary and burdened. We might come to church this morning feeling all those things, that I am tired, I do need rest, because of the pressures of my life. Work pressures, money pressures, family pressures, relationship pressures, or or, uh, uh, children and their study pressures, and and to get on in life. But Hebrews says, put those things aside. Because those are the sorts of things that make you stressful and tired. Rather, focus today on Jesus Christ. How might we do that practically every day? Well, first of all, knowing that the things of the day, the work, the practical necessities of life, are actually not the most important thing. You know, something like this. Okay, fair enough. There are some serious work pressures today. Uh, there is, I need to do this and this when I get home. I need this to do this and this. But actually, that shouldn't make me tired or weary. Because Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And I can look to him seated in joy and rest upon God's throne. In heaven. You might say, well, Ro, that's all very good and fine, but life is just so hard. It's so tiring, it's so weary and stressful. Why should I endure? Why should I persevere when 
Life is hard and being a Christian is also so hard and tiring. That's a good question, isn't it? And Hebrews wants to take us to the future of rest as the way we go forward. And so that's the third and the last thing this morning. The future of rest. We should work to enter God's rest in a heavenly celebration. We should work to enter God's rest looking forward to a heavenly celebration. You see, he tells us we Christians should make every effort and to persevere in the Christian life because when Jesus returns in glory, we will actually enjoy that heavenly rest forever and ever in the new promised land of heaven coming to earth, in the new city, the the new Jerusalem when it comes to earth, and in the new temple of holiness and joy when the holy temple comes to earth with the Lord Jesus Christ. That will be the time for joy and happiness and celebration and rejoicing. Look please at verse 9 of chapter 4. He says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. You remember where we started? We started with God's rest at creation. Then we had a little bit of a look at the Sabbath commandment. Remember the Sabbath day because God himself rested after the creation. Now we come back to the Sabbath theme and creation. And literally it means there remains a Sabbath a rest, Sabbath rest celebration for the people of God. You see, because the word Sabbath means rest. That's what it means. And now Hebrews said, Remember what happened at the beginning of creation? Well, that's what's going to happen at the end of creation as well. When Jesus Christ returns in glory, the new Joshua, because the name Jesus is Joshua, so he is the second Joshua. The first Joshua, you see, could not give them rest. But this second Joshua, the Lord Jesus, does give rest and will give rest. And Hebrews encourages the Christians of his day, the tired, weary Christians, to look forward to the great day when Jesus Christ returns. And he says, what's going to happen on that day? If you look in chapter 12, you'll find out. We will meet together with the angels and with the whole people of God around God's throne. We will be there at the, at the heavenly Mount Zion. And there will be celebration, there will be praise and joy and delight in God's very presence. And on that day, says Hebrews, all our weariness and deadness of the works and our sin will disappear altogether. And we will be at rest forever and ever. And so, well, what's the application for his readers, and indeed for us today. Look at chapter 4, verse 11. 
Let us then make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Do you see what it says? Work in order to rest. Again, it's very paradoxical, isn't it? Make every effort to enter that rest. Work hard so that we might actually rest. Israel forgot to do that. But you don't forget to do that. You see, actually we know that, don't we, in our lives today. That sometimes we do need to work hard in order to plan to rest. Isn't it? After all, if we're planning a holiday, say later in this month or in June or at the time of the school holiday, well, we need to plan. We need to work. We need to work out where to go, how to get there, and so on. We're going to England in July, but I need to work to get to to get the flights, to buy the, the tickets, and to plan and to make sure we need to work work out where we're going to go in England, how we're going to get there from for, uh, to all the places we're going to go and visit and see need to work in order to rest. And that is precisely what the Holy Spirit wants to say to us today, you see. We need to work today to endure, to persevere in the Christian life through faith in order to rest when Jesus Christ comes back. You see, we well, we want everything here and now, don't we? We want God's blessings today, now. God's blessings of happiness, God's blessing of healing, God's blessing of prosperity, God's blessing of success, now, today. But while we have rest in Jesus Christ today, Hebrews encourages us to look forward in time to the great celebration rest, which is actually future. What then does that mean for us today? Well, it might mean that you might want to pray in this way. Dear Heavenly Father, I face many pressures in my life, which means I'm tired. My work, my children's education, my family, And people are pressurizing me to look good, not to lose face, to succeed, to do better. But actually, I know, Heavenly Father, that these things are not going to be of any ultimate value. Because there's going to be a great celebration and rest when Jesus returns. Please help me then, Heavenly Father. Not to focus on the tiresome pressures of today, but to keep on obeying and working for that day of rest, i.e. a long obedience in the same direction. You see, Hebrews is, I think, very, very profound. He is not actually saying that work in and of itself is a stressful, tiring thing. 
but rather he is saying the work of sin is stressful and tiring and burdensome. But actually the work of faith, the work of obedience, the work of persevering with Jesus Christ, however hard it might be, however many pressures and opposition we might face today, is worth it. Because there will be a day of rest. So truly, all those who work for heavenly rest will be blessed. On the great day of rest, we shall be welcomed by our Lord into that rest. And how does the Bible end? Well, the last book of the Bible is, of course, the book of Revelation. And John, the apostle, has a great vision of that future rest. And he says, And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Holy Spirit. They shall rest from their work and their deeds shall follow them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you rested on that great day when you had completed creation. Heavenly Father, we are warned by the example of disobedience of Israel when their works were dead and tired and wearied them out so that they never entered your rest. But we thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ that today, this very day, by faith in him, we are at rest. And we look forward to the future rest when Jesus returns in glory. Help us to work and to focus on that great rest day. For Jesus' name's sake. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at bctc.sg.